and welcome back to A Ideas with Graham Culbertson. This is another Bits and Bites, a shorter version of the show that tries to do philosophy of AI that sits halfway between mathematics and poetry. As promised, we're going back to Descartes' demon and the brain in the vat, along with David Hume and the attack on science. As a brief reminder, Descartes asked how that he could know that anything was true given that the only source of knowledge he had was his senses, and a demon could be fooling his senses. For example, the demon could have trapped him in a dream. This has been one of the defining images of skepticism in philosophy for a long, long time. Uh, it's the premise for The Matrix, the example, and also the Moriarty character in Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the twist ending of many movies. I will not name any of them for spoiler reasons. Although, again, The Matrix has been... Spoiled. This podcast will spoil the Matrix for you, sorry. So, this is skepticism. How can you know that the world around you exists? Answering that question, or maybe we should just say, like, just taking that question seriously drove the entire career of Stanley Cavell, one of the philosophers who served as the inspiration for this podcast. Now, since a big part of this show is to get these ideas into the hands of scientists, we can answer the obvious objection that scientists come up with with this form of skepticism. Rorty and Cavell and plenty others describe this problem. At one point, the scientist you're talking to, or the philosopher who is defending scientism, hits something. I hope that wasn't too loud. Like my desk, and says, see, that's real. Now, this is obviously an absurd point and without value as a response to Descartes' demon, because if the demon could mimic mountains and airplanes and millions of people and different languages and humans that you love in your home, then obviously the demon can mimic the feel of a table. But leaving that aside, the scientist or philosopher of science presses on and starts talking about science and the scientific method and scientific progress, and then they declare that we don't need philosophy or skepticism or doubt because science works. It has given us truth. Now again, if the demon is real, I don't see why the demon couldn't have just invented science and made science work. In fact, that's precisely what David Hume says. He says it in a more sophisticated and logically tight way. Let's go to David Hume, another huge heavy hitter in philosophy, and another one of these people for whom skepticism provides a, a crucial impetus. If you're familiar with Immanuel Kant, all of Kant's work are written in an attempt to defeat Hume's skepticism. And it is my opinion that he he failed. I don't bother with Kant because uh, Hume is right. In End of story. So Hume's proposition uh, in an inquiry concerning human understanding is, quote, that causes and effects are discoverable not by reason, but by experience. In other words, the reason that you can understand the world rationally as a set of cause and effects is simply because you have started understanding the world that way. You can't prove that the world works by cause and effect. You can only experience that the world works by cause and effect. And if your experiences are coming from the demon, well, you haven't proven anything, have you? Here's Hume's famous example with uh, billiard balls. We fancy that were we brought on a sudden into this world, we could at first have inferred that one billiard ball would communicate motion to another upon impulse. 
and that we needed not to have waited for the event in order to pronounce with certainty concerning it. Such is the influence of custom that, where it is strongest, it not only covers our natural ignorance, but even conceals itself and seems not to take place merely because it is found in the highest degree. So if you ask someone what's going to happen when you hit the table, they're going to say, well, it's going to make a noise and it's going to hurt my hand. So I've learned that from science. Same way, if you roll a billiard ball that's, you know, not glued to another billiard ball and they hit, the second one's going to move. I mean, that's just obvious, right? And Hume says, no, you just, you just learned that. And now you're telling me that your learning works because you've learned that learning works. But you're using learning to prove that learning works, learning from experience. That's no good. Let's keep going with Hume. A stone or piece of metal raised into the air and left without any support immediately falls. But to consider the matter a priori, is there anything we discover in this situation which can beget the idea of a downward rather than an upward or any other motion in stone or metal? Okay, now that we know about space and gravity, we know this is right. If you let go of a rock and you're not near a center of gravity, it doesn't fall down. People thought it was an absolute law of the universe that rocks fell down. This turned out not to be true. Now we think the law of the universe is that matter calls to other matter, because that's what we've observed. But then Einstein says that's kind of not true also. Our experience is the only thing we have to confirm our experiences. And it keeps letting us down. Last bit of Hume. When I see, for instance, a billiard ball moving in a straight line towards another, even supposing motion in the second ball should by accident be suggested to me as the result of their contact or impulse, may I not conceive that a hundred different events might as well follow from that cause? May not both these balls remain at absolute rest? May not the first ball return in a straight line or leap off from the second in any line or direction? All these suppositions are consistent and conceivable. Why then should we give preference to one which is no more consistent or conceivable than the rest. All our reasonings a priori will never be able to show us any foundation for this preference. In a word then, every effect is a distinct event from its cause. Hume says we cannot even prove that cause and effect exist because our only proof that cause and effect exist are experience that cause and effect exist. That's circular. What happens when you roll a billiard ball into another billiard ball and they hit? You know what happens. The second one roll. But how do you know that? Well, I studied it. I did science, cause and effect. You learned. But couldn't that second billiard ball have exploded or disappeared or the two fused into a larger billiard ball? You want to say no. No, because I believe in the laws of physics, the laws of the universe. But why do you believe in the laws of the universe? You didn't come up with them with reason and logic. You believe in them because you have experienced them. So now you're in a pickle. The universe has laws which work because you've observed them working. But you can't prove that experience reliably shows cause and effect works by using experience. That's cheating. And you can't prove the demon doesn't exist just because experience has worked well for you so far. What if he's a demon who's a real stickler for cause and effect? You're still just following the whims of a devil even if it's a particularly logically consistent devil. And now, I want again to talk to our demons, the programmers, those of you who are creating brains and putting them in vats. 
You can program a world in which billiard balls explode when they hit each other, can't you? And you can program a model, call it an algorithm or a program or a little mind, that knows that fact of the universe the moment it exists. But you could also program a little mind that would have to learn about the exploding billiard balls. And finally, you could program a third kind of mind, one that doesn't ever learn cause and effect and just blows itself up every day on billiard balls, infinitely spawning and dying again, never learning because you didn't program it to learn. But it's not actually dumber than those other two because you could reprogram the billiard balls later. So the fact that it dies over and over again is not proof that it's wrong. It's proof that you are mean. It's proof that it wasn't programmed to do very well in this particular universe. But you could also program a universe where the balls never explode and no one ever dies, and that little mind that never learns never has to learn. None of these little minds are truly right or truly wrong. None of them have access to really true objective reality, the really, really real. All of them are just stumbling around in a world that they didn't make with programming that they didn't create. And, Hume says, so are we. This has been another edition of Bits and Bytes from A Ideas. Please believe in other minds. Mm-hmm.